0: Hello and welcome to your Partner in Success Radio. I'm your host, Denise Griffiths, and this podcast, as of just a couple of days ago, is ranked in the top 2% of the most popular podcast globally, and it, honestly, it is all because of my incredible guests. And I am honored and blessed to share time with people who are at the top of their game, and they are here, and they are willing to help you get to where you want to be in life and in business. These are not people who hold back. Their goal of coming on this show and others like it is to share with us the essence of peak performance. And our topic today is, I'm excited about this, our topic today is Conscious Business for Creative Entrepreneurs with my guest Ann Bennett. And I'm going to tell you straight out of the chute, I did not know I was a creative for a long time. I knew I was rational. I knew I was left brain. I knew I could make jewelry like nobody's business, but I had no idea I was a creative. Go figure. When I found out, life changed. So Ann Bennett is the founder of Ann Bennett Marketing, and she's a speaker, author, coach, and creator of the seven-step, excuse me, Irresistible Marketing and Mindset System. And she uses her marketing and branding genius to help women entrepreneurs expand their confidence, clarity, and cash flow. Excuse me, I'm trying not to cough all over y'all. She is also an award-winning art director and she's worked with major publications, including Vogue, where, by the way, she says the devil really does wear Prada. I, f- I love that movie. Her personal slogan, I <laughs> I do, and, and I don't watch movies, but it's one of the ones that I watched and it stuck with me. Her personal slogan and the cornerstone of all of her programs and her messaging is it's smart to fit in, but it's brilliant to stand out. And welcome to your partner in Success Radio. It's good to have you here.
1: Oh, thank you very much, Denise. It's an honor and a privilege to be here with you today. Oh, I'm going to reverse that right back at you. I'm fixing to pick your brain. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, isn't it no fun when we, like, love each other? It's awesome. <laughs> yeah.
0: I, I read about you. I
1: looked at all your stuff. I went, oh,
0: how did I not know about her before this? So thank you for coming on.
1: Oh, it's my really, really my pleasure. I love to... Uh, you know, I really love to uh, talk with uh, budding entrepreneurs and business people to really get them to think about what they're doing and how they're doing it in a in a slightly different way uh, than kind of our cookie cutter norm of how we think about stuff or what our society tells us is success and and those kinds of things, you know.
0: Well, you know, in the past few years, and I know you've noticed this, is that all of a sudden people are saying, oh, you've got to be authentic. Oh, I'm authentic.
1: Are you really? <laughs> I mean, seriously, are you really? Right. Let me, I like the line, I'm going to be transparent with you now. And I'm right. Like, yeah, right. but you didn't say anything that's vulnerable. I mean, talking about, you know, Brene Brown, <clears throat> excuse me, talking about vulnerability. Um, you know, it's those tee-ups. Uh, and you're thinking, okay, they're going to tell me, you know, how much failure they've actually uh, gone through in their life or they're going to tell me some struggles or something that I could relate to, and instead they tell you something totally (laughs) totally unattainable.
0: (laughs) Well, and listen, as a web developer, I've been a web developer for longer than I like to even admit now. I was looking at my... I, I don't know, resume, if you will, my own personal resume, and I went, I have mm-hmm. been in business for 20 years. I didn't know that because I love what I do. You know, I got my little computer science degree that nobody cares about. I refused to go work for somebody else in their office because, frankly, I don't play well with others. So I created <laughs> my own business.
1: I yeah, really like don't. so many so many entrepreneurs, right? We just don't fit right. it in to the team. No. No. And one of the
0: things that I have done and always have done, and I think you and I talked about it a bit in the pre-interview, is I'm a highly committed introvert. Highly committed. Mm -hmm. I'm not shy. And I don't have much in the way of filters, and my mother would tell you that. But the thing is, I have a serious phobia about having my picture taken. always have had since I was a kid. There are no pictures of me on the Internet. And I've actually had people say, well, I can't do business with you if I can't see you. Have a nice day.
1: Yeah, it's fascinating. I think, you know, how successful you've been not doing what people tell you you're supposed to do or have to do in order to uh, be noticed or be known. You know, everyone's always talking about how do I get noticed, how do I stand out online, how do I do this differently, and... um, People have a tendency to think that, oh, I'll just follow, you know, what Elon Musk did or I'll just follow (laughs) what, you know, um, Oprah did. Or Tony Robbins. yeah, Yeah, someone else as if they have the answer to your specific way of doing things. You know, when I teach my clients and we're talking about things, I'm like, guys, it's not cookie cutter It's not, I mean, I can give you a format, but the format isn't going to give you uh, your essence and your vibe and your energy and your voice for other people to really get attracted to and get attached to. And um, I think that's one of our biggest mistakes that we do. We're like, well, I'm just going to go online and, you know. Do all these programs or launch all all these things and I'm going to be successful doing it where, you know, you've really honed in on what, what you're really, really good at in terms of, you know, you don't want to be seen. You don't want people to see your photos all over Instagram. <laughs> no, <I laughs> you You're like, I'm on the radio. I'm... It was kind of refreshing. I was really excited that um, I don't have to be on camera today. <laughs> I know.
0: You, listen, you're not alone. I've had people say, to, you know, basically, do I have to wear a bra? No, you don't. <laughs> you do need <you> <laughs> show up and be happy. And, and, you know, just show the audience who you are and what you bring to their table. Because, honestly, that's what we do. We're helping other people, you in particular, helping other people be their best, who they are and where they are. And we don't need to show up as, you know, I look at some of these so-called influencers and I think, oh, you're going to be sorry in five years. Look at your face. Oh, my God.
1: Mhm. Yeah. And that's, people have that's a, an extreme you know,
0: example, but oh, my
1: God. <laughs> yeah we're so uh, as as a group of people you know we're so um we're just pining for connection with with something real you know we're pining to be in connected and be in relationship with each other and um you know and that looks many many different ways many different ways so you want to really hone in on you know, what your essence and your vibe and your voice is so that people that, uh, that, you know, can, can essentially fall in love with you because they agree with your philosophy of what it is you're doing. They're not so much buying your services or your products as much as they're buying you in a sense of. Oh, they agree with how I see the world or this is how I think it should be. All of my clients are rebels and renegades that don't want to follow the rules. That find that following the rules is very limiting or they can't quite fit themselves into that that box that people talk about that they need to do. So it's, Oh, I don't it's, even try. Um... I never have tried. <laughs> You're like, What
0: box? <laughs> yeah. I say you're not the boss of me. Sir. Look, I fight with my nav system. She says go left here, and I no, you're not the boss of me. <laughs> but That's you know what it. happened to me, and I I learned this when I was in school, and you may be able to resonate with this because I am an introvert, and I I'm a highly read introvert. I love 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 to read. TV, eh, don't care for it. Movies, you really have to grab my attention. Devil Wears Prada, I've watched it a couple of times. I like mm-hmm. it. But but the thing is, I learned as a you know kid wandering around the halls of, of my high school with a book in front of me that i just it wasn't that i disliked other people i really didn't notice them i live in my own head and i wasn't being rude mm. and i wasn't stuck up which i was called stuck up a lot and i was like mm. what yeah who are you why are you talking to me i just didn't care but i remember in, in this is This is a true story. I remember there was this one boy, I think I was in junior juniors. I don't know what grade I was in. I didn't care, but he apparently had been trying to get my attention, which I didn't notice, <laughs> and I was walking past and he was apparently and I found out later he was in two of my classes. I'd never seen him before. Go figure. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So, apparently, we went to school for a while, and I never, I didn't know who he was. And he got mad because I wasn't paying attention. And he said, "You know you're frigid, don't you?" And I stopped, and I looked at him, and we were close to the library. I said, "Go in there and look up that word. I don't think it means what you think it means." He quit trying to get my attention after that. <laughs>
1: It was like not doing this. Well, you know I Well he didn't
0: know what he was talking about and he didn't I mean right. I I couldn't tell you who he was or what his name is, but I remember looking at him going, Well that was stupid mm-hmm. And it was. It was quite stupid.
1: Yeah, I think you know when we're we're looking to get other people's attention or standing out, you know, being seen, you don't it's it's like we try too hard to do that when you're really um, what I call charisma. Charisma is, uh, from my point of view, really being yourself, loving who you are, appreciating who you are, uh, speaking your mind, being really who you are. And that's why people get attracted to you. So it's like, you know, we're all trying to, get attention online or get attention in our businesses and we're doing it kind of what I consider um, in a way that sounds like everyone else, looks like everyone else, and doesn't make the impression that we're really trying to make. Uh, When I developed the Renegade brand archetypes, I developed them so that people had an uh, opportunity to Simplify branding <clears throat> and how they message their business, and look at what is my vibe. What am I really like? Am I an introvert? Am I an extrovert? Am I a geek? You know, I think we discuss this a little bit offline. Um, you know, geeks are people who love organization and they know where they're going and they have a road map to get there, and everything's moving in kind of a, a linear fashion where. Uh, disruptors are people that love to upset the status quo and they're doing things a little left of center that kind of throws people into a, um, oh, I didn't think of that before. I never I never looked at it that way. Or, um, you know, gives gives more of a conversational, let's discuss a different way to do it. And uh, then you have the nurturer who is obviously... I know you've done this, if you've ever done any um, networking, when you walk into a room, you see somebody and you instantly think, you know, oh, I know them or they're my BFF or even online, you can do that or in on, you know, these different kinds of podcasts and shows, you can start to think, oh my God, this person thinks like I think, or I'm not sure why I like them, I just like them and and I think that that's really the nurturing aspect and then you have the innovator who's you know doing things that that like i, I always liken it to Steve Jobs or someone who's Ariana Huffington, somebody who is kind of understated, but they're always creating these new things that that are kind of futuristic that they bring into. Um, present day so you know you're always waiting to see what they're going to do next and you want to kind of follow them because they're on the kind of trends and and invention side of uh, doing a business Um, and it really helps people and simplifies this idea of branding I was out to dinner with a friend the other night And uh, this young woman was waiting on us, and she's like, well, I'm true to my brand. (laughs) I was cracking up. She was like, you know, she had tattoos, and she um, she had different kinds of markings. She had piercings and different things, and her hair was like orange and black, you know. And I was like, oh, you're true to your brand. That's really interesting. And, and you know, we were just kind of talking about it. So branding really isn't, um, you know, people think of it as a uh, logo or a tagline or the clothes you wear. It's actually the essence of who you are and how you present and position yourself in the marketplace. So it has a little bit different uh, twist to it. And um, I agree
0: with you. I have to ask, how did she even get into the conversation?
1: Yeah, I'm trying to remember that. It was so funny. I think we were commenting on her hair, how we, a lot of times you see this new thing since, um, I think it was the Coella DeVille movie came out, and, and her hair was half white and half black. And the, and then the kids started adopting that as a as a hairstyle. And so hers was orange and black. And she's like, yeah, I've tried being blonde and and black, but it doesn't really work for me, so I'm orange. So that's <laughs> your goes, brand? And being that's orange? why I'm true to my brand. Oh. <laughs> I <Aww. laughs> was really well, cute. She was really awesome. She was like an that, awesome, she was really she more like, like a nurturer, so she showed right. up. Right. She sounds like she's
0: really cute, but I wonder if she's going to, down the road going, okay, I can get rid of the orange, but. What about my skin? What have I done? <laughs> that's just me. I'm I'm not a tattoo lover. I don't care for them. In fact, some of them actually make me gag a little bit. I will actually grab my stomach. Oh, just looking at them can I don't know what it is. Maybe something happened in my childhood. But most tattoos just make me go oh I gotta go. <laughs> I gotta, and gotta I think go. And I some of them are beautiful, but some of them mm-hmm. just hurt me for some reason.
1: I don't know. I can't explain oh yeah, they're it. all very painful to get. I I laugh about the tattoo thing, you know, because I'm a little bit older than everyone who's tattooing themselves. Fascinated by markings, but um, you know, I'm not. I, I'm not a. I always say to people, I, "Yes, I have a tattoo, but you'll never see it." So that it's it's kind of this conversation where. It's not showing, so they have no idea. They can use your, their imagination. But I think, there you go. Um, <laughs> it's more fun. But, you know, I was raised by um, parents that grew up in the Depression, and their idea was not to tattoo your body, for sure.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, I, I guess, because I am so light-skinned. I mean, I can sunburn in the car. I'm so light-skinned. <laughs> oh, Really it, and I it. really don't go out. Yeah, and I don't spend much time outside unless I'm, you know, got a hat on and long sleeves. Just, uh, so I knew really early as as a young girl that I needed to protect my skin and marking it up with stuff that's going to get marked up all by itself as you age and you get right. done. I just wasn't willing to pay to to do what
1: age is going to do. It right. just Isn't it's not logical bad? to me. <laughs> right. Didn't not that rational. Help that. That's funny. But I think, you know, um, just for people in general, I mean, sometimes I had a, I have a client who uh, we were discussing uh, the name of her business and um, what she wanted to call it, and she wanted to call it Salty B because uh, she's centered in Utah, and I was like, that's kind of interesting, selfie bee events. And I was like, huh. I was pondering and I was kind of going, well, what? why, why do you want to use a bee? And she was like, I don't know, I just like bees. And so we started to think about, you know, what do bees really represent? And because she's an event planner, you're pretty busy doing that. And you're handling, she's a geek, obviously, and she's handling all sorts of things and putting teams together to really create one single event, the honey, so to speak. And I was like, you know, we could really do something with this. And then it turned out, on the lines of talking about tattoos, she had a bee, she had a bee tattoo on her foot. <laughs> that closed the deal for me. I was like, salty bee, that's what we're calling it.
0: So how is think, it doing? Yeah. See when you said B, I came up with something
1: entirely different, not the insect. Uh-huh. Yeah, the the insect. She's doing really well. She um basically quadrupled her income over COVID because we had her switch from live events to virtual. And so of course virtual events are continuing to be, you know, it's live and virtual now in the market in the marketplace. But originally people were like you know, all these live events went black, went dark. I lost myself. I'm a speaker, and all my live speaking events were canceled. And so we all kind of started switching over to virtual and how does that work and who do you need to be. It's a, it's a different um, animal, so to speak, in terms of how you present yourself and um how you connect Oh, let's with talk people. about
0: that. How do you what's the difference in you know presenting yourself in person on a stage or maybe on a Zoom call what, what are are there some
1: mm-hmm.
0: notable differences? I, uh-huh. I hadn't even thought about that.
1: Yeah, it's totally different. Um it's different and it's the same. I mean, that's, you know, my father was so great. He'd always say yeah, I'd answer I'd ask a question and he'd always say, Well, yes and no <laughs> because there are two sides to everything, right? So, um I think it was Lisa Nichols that was saying you could be as intimate with people as we are right now and they're not really seeing you. Right? And we're affecting millions of people with your your radio show and your podcast and um But it's a different feeling when you're live, people. So first of all, communication is actually words are actually about 7% of communication. And it's your tone and your energy and all this other stuff that actually is communicating what you want to uh, have your audience feel. You know, branding is about feeling It's all about making people feel a certain way or have them evoke feelings. So when you put it online, it changes in a sense of we're so distracted, we're not as present usually than we are when we're in front of someone. You know, we're in front of someone, we're usually not texting, (laughs) not everybody. No. Generally, people try to pay attention to the person who's speaking. Right, they've come right. To, to hear the person speaking. When you get online and people are wearing their underwear, you know, it's waist-up wardrobe kind of idea. Um, it's it's it takes more to engage. So what you really need to do in that case is be asking a lot of questions to have people participate in the chat box so they, they don't miss out on something or feel like, oh, I'm going to miss out if I don't pay attention. Oh, they're asking a question. Oh, they're giving, um, you know, they're going to give a prize or they're going to do something that is engaging to, to the audience. So the engagement level has to go way up and your energy actually – Uh, from my point of view, needs to be magnified. Magnified because you're flattened by uh, the screen. So it's a a little bit different in how you ask people to participate or if you're going to give them something. You know, you want to hand out um, the handouts ahead of time so that they can download them. There's lots of little intricacies and much easier to have someone help you do it, then when you're on stage, you're pretty much on stage. You've got, a, as long as your microphone is working, <laughs> which believe me, I've been in situations where the microphones go out, you know, anything can happen, right? It's a, it's a adventure to speak live. Um, but the same thing we were talking about technology is wonderful when it works and when it doesn't work, even the best of us, Uh, can't figure it out. And so there's a lot of, you know, like you could be (laughs) speaking and all of a sudden, you know, everything goes blank or, you know, there's all these, there's all these little intricacies to it. It's a little more difficult, I think, uh, online. And people need to give, people need to, to, um, just admit they're making mistakes. Talk about being, um, transparent you know when you're online and things don't work you just have to go well this is what it's like I don't know how to fix this or does anyone else you have to ask for help I ask for help sometimes hey does anybody know how to make this thing work and people will put in the chat box you know they'll solve the problem for you it's kind of awesome in that way um, when you're on stage you can't really go hey does anyone know how to make the? is there a doctor in the house you know it's kind of like that <laughs>
0: <laughs> and, been there, done that and mm-hmm. you, you said something a minute ago that I started scribbling down when, you, when you're on, let's say a Zoom call because everybody knows what a Zoom is but you said you you are flat, which I have noticed I mean they can get very tedious unless somebody starts eating cereal then I'm mm-hmm. out of the room, I gotta go um, <laughs> but you said the elevator magnify your your presence mm-hmm. and I would love to know what you're suggesting for that and i don't think it means talk faster talk louder i don't think that's what you're talking about so when you're when you're advising us to say okay show up and be present Mm -hmm. what are some of the tips that you can give us so we are there we're we're making good eye contact we're speaking clearly we're not
1: chewing with our mouths open you know that kind of thing (laughs) don't be chewing gum um I think the biggest thing is to, I mean, if I were to give you little tips, it'd be like plant your feet, get your feet on the ground, sit at the edge of your chair, so that there's more energy. If you can stand up, that's awesome, because there's a lot more energy. So when you're on the stage, you have a lot more energy because you're standing and you're moving, you know, and gesturing. So you want to make sure that you're gesturing and using your hands so that there's something for people to get to look at. So you're really looking. You want to look really in the camera. You know, there's, it takes a bit to understand how to look into the camera on Zoom because, you know, you're distracted by a lot of things. Uh, but you want to make sure that you acknowledge people that are in the Zoom room you know, find out a little bit about them if you can ahead of time, and refer to them, which I do when I'm speaking live too. Try to of uh, really know who's in the room, talk to them, and see what their um, problems are, what they're trying to solve, so that you can call them out. You know, or hey, you know, I see you laughing. I see you laughing. What's caught? What's caught? You know, your attention, Jamie that what's making you laugh, you know, there's more really wanting to interact with people. And I think that those things are very important. You've got to say, stay uber present, like block out any other distractions that you have. um, And really focus on outward, which you do when you're speaking anyway, when you're on the stage, it's all about focusing outward. As soon as you get in your head, I say as soon as you get in your head, you're dead because you start to criticize yourself. Um, So you want to really do some of those things where you are, are there to serve the people that are in the Zoom or in your room live and listen to them. Watch what they're doing. People tell you a lot about what they're thinking and what they're doing when you can see their faces. So if you're looking and you're seeing people laughing or maybe somebody is um, really thinking about something, you can see people think who <laughs> you think they're thinking. <laughs> and you can just engage them and ask them. You look like you have a question. Do you have a question? You know, things like that becomes very, very important on a, um, in a virtual space.
0: I have noticed that, you know, I mean there was a time well it was only just about a year ago where i was zoomed out if i had one more person say let's jump on a zoom i would just involuntarily gag it's like please no can we just have a telephone call i'll
1: talk
0: to you let's not do any more zooms but i would be watching and you're right watching the faces and i could tell when people were bored and i could tell when they were disconnected and I could mm-hmm. tell where they were sitting on the edge of their seat and go, oh, I've got to go, oh, 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 me me, me next, me next, you know. I mean, I think if you're on these calls and you see a larger proportion of people just going, eh, you're doing something wrong.
1: Mm-hmm. It's great feedback. It's great feedback. So, because um, what you want to do in these calls is, you want to do a little bit of education, but mostly you want to inspire and get people excited about whatever your topic is. And, of course, you can tell if they're excited or not. So, mostly, if they look bored or they don't look... Pardon me. If they don't look excited, grab some water. Um, usually you're not telling stories and you're giving them way too much information that causes overwhelm and pe- for people to shut down. We can't really consume that much information at, a, at, at one sitting. And so, you know, you want to simplify what you're actually teaching people or what you're, you're commenting on so that they can really absorb it And go, oh, I get that. There's these three big steps. Like for me, there's like your branding, your messaging, and your signature talk or your product and your offer. So you're just going to keep it really in a category of four things, starting with your renegade archetype, because that gives you, oh, well, what should my messaging sound like if I'm a geek it's going to sound different than if I'm a disruptor or it's going to have a different, you know, the disruptors can be sassy and a little off the cuff and kind of, you know, what we we're talking about, really speaking your mind. They <laughs> like you can just say things and I always tell people, well, I'm a disruptor, so expect me to just tell you the straight truth. You know, I suspect that. that I am too.
0: <laughs> but, you know, I've always considered myself to be a nerd. In fact, I'm known as a nerd in stilettos. But I suspect that
1: deep down in my dark little soul, I'm probably a disruptor, a big one. Yeah. And so, you know, when I have this archetype quiz that I give people, it's like nine questions, and it's fascinating to see how people rate, right? Because there, they're, a lot of times they'll be, they'll be like, "Well, I'm a geek," and then they answer the questions, and they're like, "Oh, I'm like, no, really, you're a disruptor with geek." Like, geek is your secondary, and for some people, geek is their primary. So there's usually two that people – I mean, we're all, you know, a combination of things. When you come down to us, we're, we're multifaceted people, but the ones that you lead with, the ones that people see you when you walk through the door is the one that you want to brand. You want to brand the, the largest part of your personality. So uh, it's, in, it's interesting interesting it's a cool it's a really cool quiz that I made up and um, it's fun to have conversations with people about it because it really helps you well what should I how should I name name something you Mm -hmm. know when you're when you're when you're really a nurturer and you're super sassy it's okay but it's better to be that loving nurturing kind of personality and and the way your your titles and your topics are going to sound are going to be more in the in the nurturing side than mm-hmm. they are in the i'm a badass rebel side <laughs> <laughs> yeah although you and i could relate to the badass rebel i'm sure <laughs> absolutely but where can people find that quiz uh they can go to uh i think it, I gave it to you in the show notes, but it'll be if they go over to uh, my website, which is Ann Bennett Marketing, A N N B E N N E T T Marketing dot com. It's on the main page. It's right there. They can take the archetype quiz there and get get the answers to begin to look at. You know, we can't see our own eyebrows, so it gives you an opportunity to kind of simply go, oh. I could lead with being a geek, and that works really well, or I could lead with being a nurturer. You know, a lot of times, particularly women, uh, we're already predisposed to be nurturing, generally in the DNA, but a lot of times we are those disruptors. We are those renegades or those innovators or those geeks. So it gives you an opportunity to really distinguish that for yourself.
0: And here's the thing about branding, and this is just me thinking out loud. I have no data to to supply or to prove my my kind of thought here, but it seems to me that if we don't really understand who we are and what we bring to the table, and we're trying to brand as something that, it may be a small part of who we are, but it's really not part of our charisma, so to speak, Mm -hmm. we're going to fail. And we keep going back to, you know, charisma. Charisma is who you are. And I don't think it's one of those things you either have it or you don't, but I think you can certainly invite it in, massage it, and grow your own charisma. Am I wrong?
1: No, I I completely agree with that. You know, people think charisma is something you're born with. You know, charisma can be developed. And, again, from my point point of view... Particularly with branding, it's um, it's really the essence of who you are. You know, when we were kids, we all came in with these 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 amazing creativity, this amazing curiosity. Everything was fun and exciting, you know. And we have our different personality styles: some more introverted, as we were talking about earlier, and more extroverted. But that's that's just kind of great. But branding is more about what am I truly like? What are my values? What do I care about? Uh, what is my personality style? When you can really tap into your personality style, then you can go like, in your case, Denise, well, I'm really an introvert that's kind of a rebel, so I'm going to have a radio show and interview all these people and get their points of view about how to do things. So that's great, and it works really, really well. For other people, it would be like, oh, I want to be on stage. You know, I want to be with people and really connect with them. Or it's going to be, I love video. Or, you know, all these different uh, ways to communicate. But the first thing to do is to really find out You know, are you a nurturer, disruptor, innovator, or geek so that you can actually start to stand on, this is who I am. You know, I like to say to people, own and honor and then unleash who you actually are so that the world gets to experience you and your wisdom.
0: I just wrote that down,
1: own, honor, and unleash. I love that. Yeah, and that's, that. my, that's my passion. My passion is to work with people to help them see that. So a lot of my clients are like, well, I used to hide that I was really kind of a geek because I didn't want people to know, or I didn't want people to know I was a rebel. I didn't want people to know. And I'm like, no, 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 no. That's the thing you want to let them see. You want to let them see your quirks and and the different things about you, so that they can go, oh, I totally get them, and they totally get me, let's work together. And so it's not like, oh, I'm an extrovert, so I can only be with extroverts, or I'm an introvert, I can only be with introverts. It's really more about where is your heart aligned? You know, when I was a kid, I was always looking at, disrupting how everybody was doing things. I was like, why does it have to be that way? Why can't girls climb trees and wear pants and swing, you know, play baseball like the boys? I mean, why is it I'm relegated in that time? People were relegated to, you know, girls played with dolls and they were all generating, you know, what it would like like to be married and be a mom and have kids. And I was like, oh, no, that's not my thing. I'm super active, super active. I want to be outside and and doing exciting things. So I'm much more interested in uh, dopamine and adrenaline. So uh, that became my rebellious nature. And then when I got to high school, I just, I could not relate to the structure of how they made you go to class I was like, I'm not doing that. I made my own curriculum. I enrolled my teachers, and I was doing something totally different than everybody else. And um, they just let me do it. I think they were taken aback by the fact that I had a rational explanation and a plan for what I was doing. And it was so funny because people just kind of let me do what I made up that I was interested in. You know, today there's more alternative education than that, but at the time, education was very much, you know, structured a particular way, and I don't really learn that And everybody way.
0: had to learn the one way. I hated mm-hmm. school. I hated it. I got out of my history class because I challenged my history teacher, and I won. He he said, you're not bringing your books to class. Well, I've already read the stuff. I read it at home two years ago. Why do I need to read it in here? And finally, he just said, you know, you're not going to pass this class if you don't. I said, fine. And I asked him, I said, how about this? If I can challenge you to answer a question without looking at a book or going to the library or doing whatever it is that teachers do, and you cannot... Beat me at this! You're going to let me out here, and I don't have to show up for the rest of the term. He said, "Okay." I walked out, and I was done.
1: That's awesome. He didn't like me
0: very much. (laughs) I don't care. I was so thinking
1: bored. I was so bored. Yeah, I think that's what happens for people who don't learn this, you know, in the structured way of learning. I was. I was sharing with an entrepreneurial friend the other day, even my brain, I'm like, I, I, the computer thing, I get, like, I want it to solve my problem really fast. And if it doesn't do that, I get, like, twisted. And I was thinking, you know, when I lived in New York City, I used to come up with these problems to solve for myself. Like, I'd want a particular book or I'd want to, find mostly it was books certain um out of print books that i was interested in usually uh, some kind of art or photography book and um, i would wander all over the city every weekend i just loved trying to find and solve this problem and um i fell on this I- whole idea because i think a lot of building a business is how Uh, your mindset comes into play at all times. And I thought, if I could just approach solving a problem with my computer the way I approached roaming around New York for hours and enjoying that, that would make all the difference in the world. Because it could be just fun trying to solve this problem. Like we were talking about earlier, you had a problem with your headset or something. And um, what if I delighted in solving my computer problems or when the program doesn't work or I can't figure something out? It's a totally different way of approaching. I heard this one thing too, that I forget who it was. He was talking about, I don't have any problems. I only have puzzles. So the attitude of just oh, I
0: like that.
1: how fun it is
0: yeah. it was Quincy
1: Jones, Quincy Jones was quoted as saying, I don't have any problems. I only have puzzles. And I thought that mindset is so powerful. It's like, cause it's fun to have a, a puzzle to figure out. It's not fun to have a problem to figure out, or it's not as fun <laughs> in my world. And, um, I'm very much the kind of person that's like, um, if it's going to be easy and lucrative and fun, I totally want to do that. And, and you know, life isn't always easy. It can be fun at all times. If you have your mindset adjusted to the idea of having a problem, is really a puzzle. It's an adventure. I'm going to solve it. Uh, I'm going to ask for help, I'm going to look around, and um, just approaching your business in a different way. I think that 90% of success really has to do with your mindset. I agree. Absolutely, I agree. Let's go back
0: to New York, because you've got some tremendous stories I was reading on your website that, you know, you brand brilliantly, you market like Madonna, and you profit like a, a, you know, for a Vogue magazine. Talk about or share the story when you're wandering around New York and you came across Madonna before she was Madonna, and this goes to charisma, I think,
1: and how she presents. Oh, yeah. She's an amazing example. Um, You know, I was, uh, we used to go partying, of course, and clubbing, because I was a little bit younger than I am now. But... um, You know, she played, originally played out at Danceteria, I think in, I want to say, 86 maybe. And, um, you know, she was the kind of person that when you saw her play, you knew already there was a confidence and a kind of a, There was an air about her. You know how people say, oh, they have that it factor? That it factor comes from really the confidence that you have when you're doing whatever it is you do. It's kind of the charisma factor that we're talking about. She definitely had that, and you already knew because she was so commanding from the stage. And she had just... It was like the first night she played out and um, you just knew immediately that she was going to be going somewhere because there's so many people that are talented. I used to have this conversation with my friends in New York. What is the difference between someone like Madonna who isn't the best singer in the world, who isn't the best performer? Or dancer in the world either. So it really separates people, obviously very ambitious and very focused and very much already knew in her mind, like we're talking about mindset, already knew where she was going and what she was going to create. And I think a lot of times with business owners and entrepreneurs, we start out in a direction and then we get confused and we start to doubt if we don't get the result that we want fast enough. We start to doubt, you know, our abilities to really um, influence other people. And, you know, she just was like a force, a force. And I think part of it is, she just tapped into your heart and wanting to have fun. She was playing that that kind of poppy dance music and uh, it was perfect timing. In the 80s, everybody was having a boatload of fun. (laughs) We kind of need that again (laughs) in my world. Um, But I think that, you know, we're talking about... How can you develop your charisma? How can you develop your sense of um, confidence? And it's really an inner, it's an inner thing. And then the outer appears. First, you're like, okay, I got this because this is who I am. This is what I do. When you talk about, I'm going to do this because this is who I am and this is what I do, it's really direct. It's very directive. It's very focused, and you're really telling the world as well as the as the universe, or I don't know what your spirituality is, but you're telling the cosmos. This is what we're doing, guys. Let's go for mm-hmm. it. I do and it all the time. Like
0: yeah, you know you where go. where I get my my God winks, if you want to call them that, in the shower. Because, right. and you know, what you just said just now just kind of hit me. Because when I'm in the shower, we all have that internal dialogue going on all the time. And I'll be mm-hmm. frank with you. If sometime, if anybody spoke to me the way I speak to myself, I'd bust their nose. I'd be in jail. I'd need bill mm-hmm. money. So we have to stop that every once in a while. But I'll be in the shower because it's where I can think. I've got the you know heat up to... I can steam cauliflower in there. It gets really hot. (laughs) And all of a sudden... (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's a good thing I have really high ceilings in a big bathroom because I would probably peel the the paint off the walls. But Mm, I'll be in there and I'll hear myself internally say, okay, I'm going to do this. And another thought, I'll say, okay, we're going to do this. One is ego. mm -hmm. The other is what I call a God wink. It's a spiritual download. I don't pay yeah. attention to one. I pay attention to the other. It took a while to figure out who was talking to me.
1: Yeah, I think but, that's great. You know, we all yeah. have the capacity to hear what the download is. And the, but we have and to be it. still to hear mm-hmm.
0: it. And we have so we to have welcome to be quiet.
1: it. Mm-hmm. Yep. you got to be quiet. Very, very much so. That, you know, we're so ahead, busy doing, so busy doing all the time. In order to get the download, you got to be quiet. That's why a lot of people like yourself get these messages in the shower because it's a moment of silence usually and you're relaxing in the water, which is a conduit, I believe, uh, and you're just open. And all of a sudden, you can hear what's actually being communicated. For most of us, our minds are busy, we're overwhelmed, we're doing way too many things during the day without taking these quiet breaks or leaving space. Because creativity and all of these things happen in space, in the space of quiet, in the space of nothing. doesn't happen when you're overwhelmed with all these puzzles to solve if you will <laughs> although when you you hold it like a puzzle it's a little more creative than a problem it is
0: it, and I love that I wrote that down as well and you know, my brain keeps going back to something that we were talking about just a little bit ago and part of it's part of the creativity the charisma but it's you're, what you're saying and what I'm hearing is we need to know who we are before we can present who we are what we're doing and how we can be of assistance or help to other people, because isn't that why we're here? We're not here to just do things our own way all day every day. We're here to help other people. you do I do this podcast mm-hmm. does yeah you know, we're I'm not going to call it servant le- leadership, but it's something similar. We do what we love because we're good at it. It's easy for most of us. it is you know we can make money doing it. But really, it comes down to how can I help other people mm-hmm. find what they need to know? You know, find the people they need to know, find the thought process, find the little cool things like own, honor, unleash. I would have never mm-hmm. written, you know broke that down, but I did write it down. <laughs> but I would have never thought of that. This is why we we connect and we do the things that we do, and that's how I think we figure out who we are and what we're supposed to be doing if we don't already know.
1: Yeah, and that level, what brings that, Denise, is that level of satisfaction. There's a level of satisfaction and joy when you really know you're doing what your best, your gifts are, and you're sharing your gifts with other people and helping other people. I think, you know, the first, when I was younger, it was all about me. <laughs> I'll just say. When I was Can't younger, it, it was all too. about me. <laughs> <laughs> me too. It was all about, you know, my ambition and I moved to New York to be like this artist mm. and I was going to have a retrospective show of my work at the Whitney. It was just all about me. And um, as I got uh, older, over uh, 40 and over definitely over 50, I, you know, it just became like, okay, I've done all these things. Good for me. You know, It became more about how can I, and of course, and, you know, I, I don't know if I told you, but I was downtown for 9-11 and that changed my entire life. I just didn't care about the glitz and the glamour, of what I had created in New York. I wanted to matter. I wanted my life to be about something bigger than me. And that's when I actually started my business uh, where I was helping other people. It wasn't just, oh, you know, I'm a rock star. Look at me. It became more about how can I contribute to other people's success? To help other people with my talent, skills, and abilities that I developed the first part of my life, to really being able to empower other. Mostly, I focused on women, other women, a few good men, but mostly women. And um, how can I help them and really support them so they can go out and make it, make an impact, and a in, and influence in the world so that I'm magnifying this belief that we all have innate characteristics and gifts as well as talent, skills, and abilities that we can help each other and really make life fun and exciting and satisfying for everybody that we come in contact with. That's really my that's what drives me, you know, it's the those questions. At the end of your life, I heard there were three questions you ask yourself. Did I live? Did I matter? Did I love and did I matter? And everything else is extra fun. I owned a fancy car, big deal.
0: <laughs> I know. I, you had told me that you were there for 9-11, and I'm sorry, that just completely went right past me. I was listening, you know, so intently to everything else you had to say that. But that's a big deal. I mean, that's listen. I watched it. I wasn't anywhere near it. I'm in Southwest Louisiana, but I remember hearing it on the radio and whipping my car around and going back home. And I sat on my window seat for two days with my cat clutched in my my chest. He was his mm. name was Sawyer. You little bastard, Griffiths. That was his vet record. <laughs> <laughs> and he sat on my chest for two solid days. He was a 20-pound ginger, and he didn't budge. He knew I was heartbroken. Yeah. It changed everybody that day. Mm-hmm. Everybody.
1: Everyone. Didn't,
0: there's something wrong with you, but it changed everybody.
1: Mm-hmm. It changed everyone, and I think the miracle of it was that people got very clear about what they really wanted in life. And they got very clear that um, it's finite and um, you better get on with what it is you want. If you want to get married and have kids and go do that, a lot of people left New York uh, to do that and left their careers uh, because they really wanted that, that family experience. Um, it definitely changed everyone, touched everyone. And um, I think for me, it was that miracle of, oh, everything that I thought I cared about, you know, the glitz and the glamour of the fashion industry and being at the top of my game, working at Vogue and all that fun stuff um, stopped really mattering. And I became focused on, more on my heart, I became focused more on uh, who do I want to serve and what do I want to actually do with my one precious life since I don't know exactly where we're going to be tomorrow. It kind of snaps you. Anytime we have a big trauma like that, you know, divorce or, or, you know, loss of, of loved ones, different things, it throws you into the space of reevaluating what you really care about and what you want to do with yourself, with your life, and that's the the power of it. Um, and I think that, you know, on the day to day, a lot of times we lose track of that. We get involved in all these little problems and anxieties and worries that are really on the grand scheme of things, pretty small. So then it becomes, how do I stay focused on the bigger picture of what I would like uh, for my life? And that's basically what happened to me. I just decided to leave New York, start my business, work with entrepreneurs. I looked out to see, like, where I could use my talent, skills, and abilities to help other people. I'd spent, you know, 25 years designing stories and telling stories in magazines and uh, photography and video and all this stuff, very, very creative. And I wanted to really make a difference for somebody else after that, even if it was one or two people. It doesn't have to be millions of people, although it's kind of fun. <laughs> I kind of well, <laughs>
0: <laughs> I was going but, to say, there's know. no way, I mean, it sounded very humble, and I know it was, and it was from the heart, but I don't for a moment believe that you were going to say, oh, you
1: know, I can help one or two people. That is yeah, just not who that. you are. That's the beginning. That's just the beginning. I say to my clients, just help one or two people. You're starting out. People think all of a sudden they're going to help millions of people. It kind of doesn't work that way. You're kind of building up, or if you do do a podcast, or if you do a radio show, obviously you're going to going to um, influence hundreds of thousands of people, if not millions. Um, so it kind of depends. but yeah, for me, I was always like that as a kid. My father was always like, "You think the world should do what you want it to do.") <laughs> You think you (laughs) should have everything you want to have. And I used to laugh and go, Dad, of course. Isn't that how it's supposed to
0: be? Have you met me?
1: (laughs) (laughs) My mom used to say,
0: you know, Denise is quiet, and you have to be careful what you say around her because you won't notice she's there. And then all of a sudden she knows every stinking thing about you, but
1: Mm -hmm. she's not going to use
0: it to harm you. But don't get in
1: her way either, so. I was like, okay,
0: Mom, you got me.
1: That's great. So, you know, from a very young age, you were someone who was very observant. Very, And, and yeah. taking, taking in everyone around you. That's very well, powerful. You know, I tell my introverted clients, you're very powerful because you're the one listening and asking the questions.
0: Oh, we're absorbing everything. hmm and a lot of introverts are, you know, have a lot of empathy as well. Where you think we're not paying attention, you may think that, you know, we're off in the clouds somewhere. We're listening between the lines. I promise you.
1: Yeah, and I think that that's the power. The extroverts are busy, you know, making a party, <laughs> being the center of attention, being the, the loudest yeah. one in the room. Um, I had to actually learn to be that way. Because I'm actually more of an introvert myself. And when I started my business, I had to learn to, to actually the things I teach my clients. I had to learn to stand out, even though now people see me the way I am now, right? So they're like, oh, sure, Anne, you had to learn to stand out. Like, right. But it's true. You know, it's true. I did. And I developed that and there's a part of me that is that way. So when people see me in more of my quiet mode or my introspective uh mode, they're like, "Oh, where where's the rock star?" And I'm like, "Well, she's taking a nap." <laughs> she's napping right now. Well, I'm going to, you know, do this other thing that I do. <laughs> Well, and you, you just said something
0: really important is that we have to, and I'm paraphrasing, we have to determine who we are, what we're doing, why we're doing it, and then develop that. We can't mm-hmm. just, you know, wake up in the morning, hit the floor, and go, okay, you know, go to bed at night, hit the floor again in the morning, and you haven't figured anything out.
1: Yeah, it's very, very important to, you know, When I work with clients, it's like we're spending a lot of time on – I have them write manifestos and their principles of life and the things that they believe in because that's what is the foundation of their business and the foundation of their life, really. But we don't take the time a lot of times unless you are more introspective. You're not taking the time to really do that. You're running off and going, okay, I have this product or service. i got to sell it. i got to make some money. i got to do this. i got to meet people. Blah, blah, blah. You spend all your time doing that when you want to build the foundation first. And um, it's challenging for people. They're always saying to me, well, when am I going to make the money? When am I going to make the money? And I was like, well, let's figure out your brand first. Let's figure out what you want to say and how you want to say it. Then and turn who you away. are.
0: You can't uh-huh. keep flipping personas around like a cape. Right. And I see people doing this all the time. They'll say, well, you know, I try it. I'm a web developer. I'm, you know, I have a uh, marketing right. agency. And people say, well, that didn't work. Well, how long did you try it? That's the first question. <laughs> oh, I, I gave it six months. Oh, my gosh. And I'm banging my head on my own desk going, ow, ow, ow. Okay. Right, and right, then, right. Then, then I'm saying, okay, you need to talk to somebody else, and I'm going to send them to you because I'll get really cranky with them. Like, you know, what the heck are you trying to This is not who you are. Why are you trying to do this? What are you sharing? Who? Yeah, and mm-hmm. after a while, I mean, I have to say, okay, let me sit with this and come back, and I'm probably going to recommend that you get a coach or you find a mentor or you take Zoloft. I don't
1: know what I'm going to recommend, but, you know, you've got to <laughs> do something different. Yeah, I think that that's, that's so important. Um, and then they have, you know, then they have the content when they come to you, or at least they have a good idea of what it's going to be so that you can build out the marketing for them. So it makes sense. But that's my experience is the biggest mistake is that people, they just want to get going really fast. And um, I'm a fast, you know, action person myself. Me too. And and, but and, I thought it out know, before
0: I take that action.
1: You gotta have some some foundational work. So a lot of times, I had a client, <laughs> I had a client recently say to me, Ann, this is busy work." I was laughing. I was like, "Yeah, it's the work that you need to do for the ent- for the foundation of your entire business, and you'll be doing it your entire life." So if you think it's busy so- work. You're probably not going to do it very well, <laughs> right? And if you don't know who
0: you are or why you're doing what you do, and that's important,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, if you don't, if you're just doing it because somebody else did it and it worked, and you know, listen, there are no overnight successes, but no. you know, people make it look like there is. But oh well, you know, so and so did. I want to do just exactly what they did, but you're not them,
1: right? It doesn't and work. I mean, I've had mentors no, that were like in three. In three years, they made two, five, six million dollars. But what you don't understand is their resources, their mindset, and what they had going for them to begin with. And everyone likes to tell the story, "I had nothing." right. Uh, for a while, everyone was telling stories, "I lived in my car) <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I was in my car too, so what? You know? Yeah, I was driving to the grocery store. (laughs) Does that count? Right. Everyone (laughs) was trying to find a tragedy, right, to build to build their brand story on. Oh, I had a brain aneurysm, I had this, I had that. And it's like and after a while it was like you could hear it from every single speaker. And I was like, you know, I'm recovering from a normal life, okay? I didn't have, I mean, of course, you know, I've had my own personal traumas or whatever, but I'm actually recovering from a pretty nice childhood. So that creates certain challenges as well as if I came from a very uh, toxic or, or abusive background. So it's just interesting. Never thought of that. Yeah. I mean, what do you do when you're kind of... I I always felt, compared to my friends, I was like Pollyanna. The things (laughs) that they went through in their childhood. I had a pretty pretty nice childhood, you know? My parents were actually loving and caring people. I mean, they made mistakes, whatever. But, you know, I was taken care of as a kid. So it's... The people that have come from more... um, challenging backgrounds have a tendency to be uh i i think from my point of view a lot more driven to get to the money to get to whatever it is that they didn't have as a kid when you have a lot of st- i mean i we weren't rich or anything i mean my father was a high school principal but you know i had things i had a bicycle you know i had a tv i had stuff And um, so then it becomes, well, what's motivating me? And it's kind of circling back, yeah. You're motivating I'm motivating myself to create a life that I value, that I can value myself and love myself. And that's really, you know, basically what I'm doing here and sharing with other people.
0: I'm so glad you're here today. I've been scribbling. I pulled out a pink index card this time because I knew it was going to be important. It's bright pink. And I've got notes <laughs> scribbled all over. I love index cards. I don't know why I don't ask it. But listen, awesome. and thank you. <laughs> oh, thank
1: I've got you so much for everywhere. having me. It's been great to have oh. a conversation that's a little more than, um, you know, the the uh, tactics of branding or the, yeah. or marketing, you know, all of, all of which are important, right? Strategy is extremely important. Um, and I just want to say, there's only a couple of things you have to do. To, you know, people are doing 50 million things and they're not, not, not making uh the money they want to make. And it's just because you're doing too many things. Just pick up, pick out, one, two, or three things that you want to do, and leave it everything else. Mm-hmm. Well, we I agree we with came you. up with something recently. Instead of FOMO, it's JOMO, joy of missing out. <laughs> oh, I like that. You know, <laughs> the, that like, makes perfect right, sense joy to my of brain. Yeah, let other people <laughs> yeah. do all the things, and you can exactly. just do the things
0: that you love. Let them wear themselves out. You don't need to go mm-hmm. along with them. Before I let you go, um, is there anything else you want to share with the audience?
1: Oh, I just wanted to say, you know, we, we have a tendency to undervalue who we actually are in, for ourselves and for the world. And I think that we all have value, whether we you know whatever whatever you want to do with it you all have value you all have um wisdom you all have things that for other people are difficult to do and for you it's easy to do so share the things that are easy for you to do i mean i have friends that i call all the time about doing spreadsheets for me <laughs> cuz i find that impossible to do where creative thing anything creative I'm all over that. It's easy for me. Do the things that are easy for you and let other people help you do the things that are difficult. And enjoy. Those are enjoy words of wisdom. Yeah.
0: yeah. This is true. You know, it's true. I have people on my team that I don't ask them to do anything that I can't do myself because I need to know what it is I'm asking them for. I need to know how they might do it. But I also know that this is what they do, and they're going to do it a hundred percent better than I will, because I'll mm-hmm. slapdash it and mumble the whole time. <laughs> you don't want to do that. I mutter. I say bad words. It's not a good day when I start to do <laughs> things like that. Bite the cat's tail. I mean, it gets ugly. Do what you love. <laughs>
1: I've had my moments.
0: <laughs> I, I can imagine. It's Listen, it's it is a challenge. <laughs> and it's been wonderful speaking with you and honestly you've got so many other things to share you've got so many terrific topics would you be willing to come back in
1: the new year oh my gosh Denise I would love to come back and have another conversation about some other things it'd be great I would love great great and you
0: see I did this on the radio so you can't tell me no. it's very tricky (laughs) (laughs) thank
1: you so much for having me I really had a great time Uh,
0: my pleasure. And you said something earlier too that I want to kind of expand on. That you know, we we didn't go down, you know, the the bullet points. You know, Let me ask you about this and this and this and this. It is a conversation. And what I hope to do, and I do manage to do, with this podcast is get people interested in what you do, who you are, what you bring to the table, how you can help and inspire them. And that's why I do what I do. And you did a brilliant job of. I'm sure getting people to go, I need to know more about Ann. So thank you for being such a terrific guest.
1: Oh, my pleasure, completely.
0: Well, listen, before we say goodbye, I would like to remind our audience to be sure to look for us on iTunes, Audible, Spotify, everywhere. Anywhere you can consume your business podcast, you're going to find us. Truthfully, you can't throw a stick on the Internet without hitting your partner in Success Radio. So find us and take us along on your success journey. And again, thank you so much. I'll send you another link and we'll get you back in here in you know, January, February. I can't believe it's almost
1: Christmas. I'm in shock. Oh, but in amazing. the new year. <laughs> it's amazing. Thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you.
0: Get your voice heard. If you would like to launch your own far-reaching podcast, contact Denise Griffiths at yourofficeontheweb.com
1: and go to the podcast tab.